Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Beauty and the Beast podcast with me, Leo. Today, we are coming at you a little bit later in the day because, of course, it's Monday the 15th of June, which means that all non-essential retail businesses are now open. With this in mind, we knew a lot of people would be at work and also the rest of you would be hitting the shops, searching out those bargains. I know I have actually participated in this today, of course, in a safe manner. Today's show is very, very special though. As some of you may know, if you follow the podcast, that my brother Alex Coe does a section of the show called Alex Sings Every Week. This is where he writes, produces and sings a jingle that is suggested by one of our listeners every week on Facebook. Some of you may know and some of you may not, Alex is a singer-songwriter and he is bringing out a new EP on the 3rd of July. This EP is going to be called San. It's quite exciting and I thought it'd be really great to get him on the show so you can listen to snippets of some of the songs and listen to him talk about why he created it and why he enjoyed creating it so much in anticipation for it coming out on the 3rd of July when you can download it to listen to the whole thing. We spoke to him a little bit earlier to get his ideas, views and motivations for producing San. Hey Alex, how are you? Hey Leo, yeah I'm good, thank you, how are you? I'm really good. So you've come into us in different circumstances today, no jingle this week. I know, <laughs> feels but, weird. Uh, I know, but um, but yeah, we're, we're, it's all about you today. Uh, I like um, it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. So we're, I think we're on, are we on week 12 of lockdown? I don't know, because you know that I've not really been on a full lockdown the way everyone else has, so I can't keep track. All I know is that I'm getting paid, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I think a lot of people are coming out of furlough now. Um, yeah. The world is looking um, very unpredictable right now. and Parks are looking like festivals are going on because <laughs> everyone's in the park. <laughs> Well, yeah, parks looking like festivals, supermarkets look like they've never been in lockdown. Um, <laughs> I went into a supermarket yesterday and I, I swear to God, there must have been about a thousand people in there. Yeah. It's so packed. And... It's funny you're saying that though, because Man- I think Manchester's a little bit different because like I said to you, London still does have the strict lockdown rules when it comes to walking around um, the-, the grocery stores. So it's, it's different. It's weird to hear that Manchester's loosened up the... Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've heard that. But I also have seen, you know, news footage of the trains being so busy. Oh, yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, ride, I ride my bike, so I avoid that chaos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like I said, we today are talking about uh, basically you and your relationship with music. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about your new project that is coming out in July. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've, I've introduced you already to our listeners um, so that they get to know a little bit more about you. But I think we need to elaborate more. Um, okay. And I'm really I'm really going to start with basically your your first knowledge of knowing that you 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 loved music you know when when was that time in your life when you realized that your love of music was so strong oh well I I don't even think I can properly recall the first time I realized it to be honest like 
as you know, our family is so expressive and has a wide range of music tastes. So like dad loved the cause and the bangles, Peter, Paul and Mary, Celine Dion. Mom loved Nina Simone, Nat King Cole. And definitely you better believe she loved that. You know, remember the Wolf's, Wolf's sounding album that I bought her from Chester Zoo? She loved oh, that, that. that. Freaky. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, that was- that was horrendous, Alex. That was that was artistic. That actually really shaped my first DP. <laughs> I'm only joking. Um, and then <laughs> and then and then growing up with you, you introduced me to No Doubt and Nirvana and Cranberries and Limp Biscuit and so on, really. So music has always been a part of my life. So it was inevitable that I'd be most comfortable expressing myself through music and performance. Um, whether it be like in mom, mom and dad's living room or in the social clubs when I was first starting out or even on a West End stage, it didn't really matter about the size of the stage. It was just a release and like a sense of freedom. Yeah, I remember you being really attracted to music as a, a small child. Mm. And uh, I remember a time, and we've got a video of this somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, Michael Jackson coming on, and your legs were going like the oh, in the in the baby bouncer um, chair. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, that was the Earth song. Um, and and some, um, I mean, some music you didn't respond to, so you definitely knew that you liked a certain type of mm-hmm. music. Um, anything with a, a good bit of beat and rhythm, yeah. you know. We had we had um, Mariah Carey, you had Michael Jackson. I know that them two definitely. Uh, intrigued my mind when I was a toddler (laughs) yeah definitely and I think you know what I think that um like you said like our family you know have always had a love of music Mm -hmm. we've always been interested but you know even though we don't perform and sing like you do I think that we've all got some kind of musical talent you know Uh, in the extended family as well we always love to sing Mm -hmm. um I mean dad can't sing for toffee but, um, I disagree, actually. The way he does his Celine Dion operatic um, interpretations <laughs> while he's doing his breakfast in the morning, I, I think that's where I got my talent from. Don't tell mum because she'll kill me for saying that. <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's great, but I think he puts a lot of um, effort into passion. It. But that's, that's the nice thing, yeah. though. That's the, the, the thing that I can say is I have grew up in a household where we are free to express ourselves where I mean you know when when I was younger you know that I went through stages of being a musher and an emo and a goth just because you were so expressive so I I, I latched onto you so I when I was in primary school I was walking around with um platforms on and flares and different colored hair and different hairstyles because I was I was, I was sort of copying you and I got to express myself and learn about who I was and my style at a very very early age i mean lenny i mean i understand that you know you want it to be uh, but <laughs> but i also do want to tell all our listeners that no point did i wear flares or i don't want to be remembered by liking limp biscuit so uh, excuse um... me rolling 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 oh that's a good song <laughs> yeah that's the only one that's you the know. only one i know yeah come on <laughs> that's the only one anyone knows but yeah, anyway, so I think we were always quite a musical family. I think our grandparents on both the Chinese side and the English side loved music as well. Mm-hmm. And growing up those environments, it was really interesting. Our auntie, 
our Auntie Ping in Hong Kong uh, is, uh, well, she still does it now, doesn't she? She's a Chinese opera singer. Yeah. So, you know, I think that this sort of musical talent and love for music does run in the family, but I think that you're the one that's taken it to the next level, you know. Thank you. Really wanted to do it and has consistently, you know, never changed your mind about it. You've always performed. So, you know, when did you first start performing in your eyes you know what was what was that time that you took the plunge into performance uh I'd say I I think officially it was when I first started with a company called Natural Talent um where I do like weekly performances in social clubs um starting from like the age of 13 and upwards and at the same time I was introduced to a local music studio from Um, my school it was called cultural fusion and that was like where I I experienced my first studio performance I got to perform with other like-minded creatives and I got introduced to like gospel music and everything it was it was an eye-opener yeah and I remember um, me and mum taking you around to the sort of social clubs and pubs and clubs and things Mm -hmm. and sitting there and watching you perform and it was it was really cool for us, you know. I know that mum was really proud of you and quite excited that, you know, she could be part of your journey, you know. Yeah. Even if you look back at it now, you know, and you're like, oh, I, you know, I was I was performing in pubs and clubs and things, you know, and I was only young. But, I mean, at that age, that's a massive achievement, you know. Most people are singing into the hairbrush at that <laughs> age, you know. <laughs> so you were getting paid for something and you got to express yourself and, you know, show your talent to a room full of people. You yeah. Know? I think we were both really proud of that. So how did that make you feel, you know, when you had that crowd of people, you know, even at times when it was like Barry propped up at the bar, you know, like, Oh, do you mean like that time when someone, someone had a go at me because I was wearing silver shoes and it was inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Oh dear! That, but don't worry, you carried on singing with them. But um, I think, I mean, what I want to know is like, how did it make you feel when you had that crowd of people, you know, clapping and appreciating, you know, your your vocal talents? Uh, it was lovely. Um, it was a big. Um, it it was a. <laughs> I, 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 great, I, I was a great compliment, you know. I, I was just thinking back. This was when I was 13. This was a while ago. So trying to think how I felt then. Um, at the time, I was just trying to go over and remember the next lyric and the next song. And But it felt so natural to be there. And you know that it took us took us so long to get to these places. And sometimes the arguments that we had in the car because mum took the wrong turn in and we were late and it was crazy. But once there, it all made it worth it. Um just how I felt and that sense of of freedom and release, uh, just performing and singing what I love to sing. So the fact that I had that positive feedback, um, it was a big help in pushing me forward in continuing music. Because if I had yeah. negative feedback, if I had, obviously I'd had some negative feedback, but if, if people really didn't like it and it, it may have took me in a different direction, you know? Yeah, definitely. And when you were performing back in that day you know take yourself back to that time again what was your what was your ambition you know where where did you see yourself uh, going at that stage uh well firstly I still hold on to the excitement that I felt from like being a, a, a child of the 90s you know where uh 
I mean, I don't feel like the generation nowadays gets to truly understand the excitement that you get from <laughs> don't do this, but skipping school in the morning to wait outside Asda to for, for Gwen Stefani or Alicia Keys' debut album to be released, like to get hold of that music and all that type of stuff. I don't I don't think people get to experience that excitement anymore. So back then, like every single little bit of music, a release of an album, the the lyric book. Uh, me learning the song so I could then go to these social clubs and perform them and, you know, imagine myself being on the stage next to that person. Like, I was always very imaginative. I always had these big ideas, big dreams. Um, and that's sort of where I am very much still today. Yeah. I, hope- I wouldn't have admitted that I was stood outside Asda, though. I would have said HMV. Uh, no, I have to be real. It was definitely <laughs> Asda. Because keep in mind, I was only 13, and mum and dad had a heart attack if I walked, like, off the close. So the fact that Asda was only down the road, like, that was, you know, that was okay for them. But if I went to HMV, that would be a heart attack because I would have had to get a bus and all this type of stuff. And do you think that you always, so you, you know, with you speaking about that, you know, musical ambition, do you think you always wanted to do music? Was there anything else you were ever attracted to doing? Um, no. I remember there was one time that, well, apparently, but I also, I've seen many photos of me wanting to be a policeman. Um, <laughs> but I think that was the fact that, like, my childminder at the time had a costume box and all the other kids wanted to be the policeman. So naturally, I wanted to be the policeman. Um, but I know that I've always wanted to be a singer um, or a performer. I mean, I've also, I love to design stuff. I love to create things. I'm just a creative um, and when my mum in the past has said, oh, you should do design because you can create so many things out of this cloth. I'm like, well, I do it because I like it. I feel like sometimes mum put these ideas in my head that, oh, yeah, maybe I could do that. But deep down, I've always wanted to be a singer. And what did you create out of the cloth, Alex? Uh, we created sarongs. We had headdresses. It was always very, very feminine stuff. Um it was always very theatrical, I think. Do you think? Well, I mean, yeah. keep in mind, you're the one that actually got to really view all of these amazing outfits because you had to <laughs> sit there and watch the shows. I can't remember them. I just performed to them and then let them go and moved on to the next project, you know? <laughs> so for our listeners, Alex used to create outfits with my mum, who was total, you know, she had like a lot, a lot of control over it. And uh, and then Alex would do as a performance. He'd sing to us in the different outfits. And you know what? I think that it needs to be said that some people, um, especially our neighbours at the time, when you were doing it in the garden, probably thought it was very strange. But it wasn't strange to us. We never found it strange because it was you expressing yourself. And everybody, including mum and dad, were fine with that. Yeah. You know, um... and I think you've always you've always had... Um, I suppose that element of support from from us, you know, in general. Yeah, element of support um, and understanding. I mean, if your family are not going to bat an eye when you turn a pair of tights and a t-shirt into a full-on wig or um, a pair of shorts into a Xena-styled skirt, like that's that's a good support system, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, and then when you're, I mean, I don't know if anybody remembers Xena Warrior Princess, but she had this famous chant, didn't she? That she did high pitched, like weird noise. And you used to run around the garden doing this chant, and, and we just didn't even bat an eyelid. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd happily do the chant for you if you really need to, but I might blow up the speaker. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe we'll leave that. <laughs> maybe you can put it into your next musical project. <laughs> Don't test me because I love Shakira, so I'll do that type of chant. <laughs> so I've talked briefly about your career um, in the intro of this podcast today, but um, for for all our listeners out there, you know, let's let's talk about what you sort of feel your main highlights have been? Uh, well, you know, I've been really, really fortunate with my experiences. I've toured the world. Um, I'm performing every night around uh, in many different countries, in Asia, uh, in Brazil and the UK. Um, I've also recent, most recently done a whole entire two-year stint in West End as well, which was a big achievement. I've always personally felt that my biggest achievement or highlight has been when Pink acknowledged me and posted me on her Twitter. Because many people would say, oh, well, you know, that's that, but you've toured around the world. But Pink, you know that I've loved Pink from a very young age and you just, you've taken me to like three concerts. So when she acknowledged me and posted me on her Twitter, that was like a highlight. I called you so, so gassed. I remember that. I know, yeah. So for me, that's one of the biggest highlights, regardless really? of, yeah, it really is. Like, I don't think you understand <laughs> how excited and happy I was, especially because all of her followers were like, why don't you do a duet? I was like, yeah, let's do a duet. <laughs> um, it's crazy that, to be honest with you, because I, you know, I do want to talk about mm -hmm. the West End and you traveling, you know, all over the world with specifically Thriller Live. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you, I remember um, I got married in 2012 mm -hmm. and a couple of days later you were off to London and you were about to embark on, you know, travelling all over the place. And I was obviously excited about getting married. I'm not so excited these day, but days about being married, I'm only joking. But, um, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Um, I'm only joking, exclusive I'm joking. to the podcast listeners <laughs> marital issues <laughs> no I, I was excited about being married but I, I think I was more excited because for me it was just beautiful to see that you had kind of gotten what you always wanted yeah in a way you mm. know and it mm -hmm. was a very exciting time for you and I know was, I was part of you know getting you on your way there you know and and in terms of I don't mean I did anything to help you with well, your career I mean like I drove you places but um you were the glorified taxi service I was the glorified <laughs> taxi service um, <laughs> but it was it was great when you got to these different countries and it was great to hear from you and you sent us you know I, I mean videos from Brazil when you were on Brazilian tv and it mm -hmm. was just it was just amazing as your sibling, you know, to to see you achieve that, you know, and, and I think it was very exciting for mum and dad and everywhere we went, it was like, my son's a singer, he's travelling the world, he's touring the world at the moment, you know. Yeah. And um, I think that it was with Phil Alive, and that's great, it wasn't your own show, but they mm -hmm. made it out as if it was, you know, and mm -hmm. it was really nice to see them and I never corrected them 
you know, because yeah. I think that I wanted them to live in that moment because they were just so proud of you, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was a really nice time. No, I totally, I totally hear what you're saying and I understand. And like I said, I'm very fortunate with my experiences. And, you know, I could also talk about the fact that I've, uh, one, of the, one of the biggest achievements and highlights is the fact that I've um, released my own music because it's very difficult for singers and songwriters and creatives to release their own stuff. Um, it's scary. It's daunting. So that's another thing that I'm proud of. But I think to get acknowledgement from someone who I admire so much, that to me was a highlight. So even yeah. though I've done all of these amazing things and don't ever think I take it for granted because today, even today, sometimes I pinch myself and go, wow, like I really did do some great stuff and I've been very lucky and I hope to continue it and get more stuff once the theatres come back on and open up again. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with what I've done so far, but also Pink really did gas me up. <laughs> and I, I get it I totally get it it would be great to have an idol you know yeah. um, mm -hmm. you. you know it really would I don't get that I've never had that in my life Raymond Blanc has never contacted me well you know <laughs> what Leona I will contact Kylie Minogue to reach out <laughs> because if you don't know Leona was a mass if you do not know, Leona was a massive, <laughs> I was not. I a was massive Kat Minogue fan back in the day. We have videos of proof, so I will contact her and, and, and send her the videos and maybe she'll pop them on her TikTok. <laughs> Listen to me, right? I, I was only young. I liked I liked Kylie Minogue because I liked the music to dance to. I was I was I was a dancer when I was younger, you know, that was my thing. And I did lots of stuff in talent shows and with a production company, but I wasn't I, I wasn't a massive fan. I still aren't. In fact, to be honest with you, I'm going to say it. I think nowadays when I see Kylie on the TV, I find her a little bit irritating. Isn't that weird? Because I did really like her when I was younger. I mean, it's I don't think, I think it's maybe different. I had Kylie overload when I was younger. Maybe that's what it maybe, was. Maybe maybe you took yeah. Maybe you got too much Kylie Kylie Kylieism into it. That sounds weird. Actually, I'll take that back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That sounds weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> but maybe. But to be fair, though, I find that sometimes artists, and I'm not saying this is Kylie Minogue in particular, but over the years, when they see what they've been successful with and see what they haven't been successful with, they start to become a parody of themselves, and that's why they become a bit more annoying. And then, if they don't go with the times correctly, and they are not staying relevant, or you know, in 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 a after a term, staying staying hip. Uh, it becomes grating on people. Like, yeah, like, like it, for instance, Madonna at the Eurovision Song Contest with Quavo. That was horrendous. Yeah. Did you see that? Well, you know, I love Madonna. Yeah, so, I love Madonna as well. But that performance was like, it, what is she yeah, doing? Some of the things, some of the some of the choices, stylistically, creatively, what she's doing nowadays, it's questionable because it's like she's. She, she's got the top she's absolutely got the right to be an artist and be creative because that's what she's always done she's done whatever the hell she wants to do um mm -hmm. but as a businesswoman you'd expect her to take a step back and go okay is this going to read correctly to the audience is this going to actually deliver the message that i want because she tried to be very political in that and besides people instead of people talking about 
the political stance that she put up there, they were talking about why is this granny walking up these stairs and doing this silly stuff? I mean, and it's just as, but for me, that's the bit where I look at things and I, and I have to compartmentalize it and go, you know what? Like she's being creative. She's being an artist because she's Madonna. She doesn't have to prove herself. Uh, she, she doesn't have to get that number one hit to stay signed anymore because she is Madonna. So let her have a freedom, you know, that's why I just go, okay, cool. She's doing what she's doing. Okay, well, I didn't. <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so let's talk about because you you mentioned before. Obviously, you've um, been writing and um, performing and producing your own music for a while now, mm-hmm. um, and you know you've you've had a couple of EPs in the past. So let's talk about the past sort of projects that you've done. You know, what was the first what was the first project you did that you released? Uh, so my first project was called uh, called Dimension. I didn't say San. I was like, <laughs> shut up. Um, my first project was called Dimension. It was released in 2015. And it was um, it was very it was very much a collaboration. I didn't produce the music. It was produced by um, uh, around about four different producers. And um, we had. Drew Whittam, we had Giuseppe, we had other people creating on the on the EP, and it was very um, pop electronica R and B um, with poetic writing. Like you know, sometimes the chorus wouldn't come in until the second minute, um, and it was more about the beauty of the language rather than doing something that was very like four on the floor commercial, like chorus verse chorus verse that type of thing so it was a bit more fluid and free in that sense but it still had uh pop sensibility to it i really liked dimension did you yeah and um obviously because you were just sort of getting on your feet with your first project you wanted everyone to download it so i did and even now (laughs) When I've got no, no, because I like. <laughs> I was like, I was "What?" <laughs> it sounded really bad. Like, you told me to download it, so I had to. No. Okay, so um... let's just be clear. You didn't download <laughs> it because I was desperate. <laughs> no. What I'm trying to say is, I downloaded it. So even today, when I put on like one of my music apps on my phone in the car, um, and it says, you know, your most played. Mm. Your Dimension album always comes on. I mean, so is I that you or is that Misha? No, 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 definitely me. But it does <laughs> come on, and like we'll have like we'll have like I don't know, um, Madonna on, and we'll have Gaga on, and this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden, one of your Dimension songs will come on, and it's weird. It's like even today when it comes on that playlist, we're like, oh, it's Alex. It, but it just it sounds as if it should be there. Oh, you know that's I mean? good. Yeah, that's called a sound... good mixer and a good masterer. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it sounds as if it should be there. It's very professional. It sounds amazing. And I, I have to say, it is one of my favourite projects of yours. Well, oh, thank you. Thank you. So, you know, if if anybody gets a chance, you know, go and, go and listen to it. Where can they find you? Where can they find Dimension? So right now, Dimension has actually been taken offline. Um, and by it will you. be, be by me, by, by you, not by yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been taken offline by myself, and it is going to be uh, re-released. 
um, in time, I just need to remember the password to the hard drive with the songs on it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a technical issue, guys. Technical glitch. I forgot it's the password. Because, it's not because he's like trying to think of some creative way to relaunch. He just can't remember his password. <laughs> I literally like there's a there's a clue on my hard drive and. I don't know why I set that clue because I have no idea what it means. It's not something simple like your first pet. I'm like, what the hell does this clue mean? It's so it's so random. But anyway, Dimension isn't available um, on any streaming services except for my YouTube page. So if you search for official Alex Co on YouTube, you will be able to actually hear the songs there because there's a playlist that I created with the songs on there. And there are four songs or five songs i think <laughs> and you'll also be able to find your other projects as well so what did you do after dimension so after dimension i released uh, san which is what we are here talking about today i released san in 2018 under mm -hmm. the stage name coincidence and since then, with help from my followers on Instagram, I've decided to change my name and go by my actual name, which is Alex Co. Hence the re-release uh, of my music. And why did you change your name back? Um, I felt like, one, coincidence, because I also spelt it differently to how you actually... I didn't spell it correctly, basically. So even though I loved the look of it, I was finding a lot of people could not find me or were were being auto-corrected by Google and it was it was affecting the a number of streams or the footfall to my um website and stuff. But then also I've always toyed and you know that I've always played with different stage names. I've gone by Co or Co-Official or uh, you know, coincidence and all this type of stuff. And and I think it's because when I was younger, I just was like, oh, I don't really like the name Alex. It's very common and stuff. But realistically, I have to sit there as now a grown adult and go, you know what? This is my name. and This is who I am. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're going to go by. And if people don't like it, that's it. <laughs> exactly. I think you had a Prince moment. I've had, yeah. I don't know what that is, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> you don't know, a Prince moment because he changed his name to just Symbol, didn't he? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think you had a Prince moment. I think it's just, but I think it's the journey. Like, many artists want to do different incarnations and see what's going to work for them and see if this one, like, sparks attention and all this. And then a lot of the time they just go, you know what, like, maybe my actual original package was perfectly fine as it was. It didn't need um, altering. Well, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you released San, you're re-releasing it again. Before we talk about San, let's briefly go over the Christmas song that you released because, again, that's <laughs> another favourite of mine. Yeah, and I loved that I, song. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, it did well with your following. It did well and got you more followers and more people interested. Mm. But I really do think that Christmas song belongs in the charts at Christmas. I really do. I, I love it that much. And the video that we were all kind of involved in as well you know mm -hmm. yeah so yeah let's talk about that briefly so i actually released the christmas song called christmas wish in 2017 so it was it was two years after dimension and it was one year before the sun ep got released and i basically was 
about to leave my two-year contract in West End. And suddenly I was just like, I had an epiphany in October that I wanted to write a Christmas song. So I was like, I'm going to do it. Let's write a Christmas song. Now, it was very, very late in the game to even start a project like that. But in the space of two weeks, I had a song wrote. It was produced. And by, I think it was like by the end of November, the video was recorded and edited and I pushed it out. Um, I had, you know, many friends were on board to help me out. You helped with um, the beauty side of it, making sure everyone looked amazing on camera. Um, I had my friend Ivan who styled it. Uh, it was just great. Like it was a great dad experience. Dad yeah, dad, dad, dad rocked that video. Definitely yeah. stole the limelight from me. But, <laughs> but I'm okay with that. Like, is that, had, is that still on YouTube, Ali? It is actually. It's still on my YouTube. Yeah. You've got to go and check it out, guys. Got to go and check it out because it's a great song. Um, the styling, like I said, is amazing. All the guys that are in the video as well really are brilliant, um, including you, Alex, by the way. Oh, thanks. And, um, <laughs> yeah, your dad, <laughs> your dad does kind of make that video, though. It is great. So you've got to, you've got to check it out. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's talk about San now. So you're re-releasing San. Um, why are you re-releasing it? And that doesn't mean why are you re-releasing it? It's rubbish. It's not. It's great. But why are you re-releasing it? And what's kind of is it the lockdown period that's made you feel like I want to re-release this? I want to re-release all my projects. What what is it? Uh, well, like I said to you, I'm, I'm changing my name back to my actual name, so it needs to be searchable and um, available for listeners under that name and the only way to do that now is to take the music down and then put it back up again so that is actually the main reason because I'm, I'm very happy with the projects that I have out but then the fact that I've had to do this for I thought to myself why not utilize this and try and advertise it just like it's a brand new EP because I've got so many more followers now new listeners, people who have never heard me before or heard that music because I've not pushed it in a while. So it's basically like a, a re-up, you know, I'm, I'm going to redo it, hopefully spark some more attention and keep things moving onto the next project, you know? It's sort mm -hmm. of like a segue. Yeah, and you, you explained like what Dimension was about and what kind of feel it had to it. What does Sam have, what kind of feel does Sam have? to it so in comparison to dimension san was a chance for me to show my diversity so i wanted to create something that was commercial it would sit well in a club and also made people feel happy um mm -hmm. so it's not a deep meaningful project it's fun and it's energetic brilliant and on yeah. that note we're we're gonna we're gonna listen to a snippet of all of the songs right now
So that was Beat Up. Now, Beat Up to me sounds really energetic and quite enticing. Did you have something that it was particularly about or did you just want to create that banger that you got into the club? It was literally a case of wanting to create a banger. I just wanted to have fun with it, not think too deeply about it. So, you know, the fact that I didn't think too deeply about the the meaning of this and all this other stuff, it just meant that the audience could then enjoy it the way I enjoyed writing it. So when you're creating, are you have you always got the audience in mind? Because obviously um, with this EP, which I've already heard, and obviously our audience is hearing it as we are on the show, but with past projects as well, every song is very different. So do you create with the audience in mind or do you create just because you want to create and you're doing what you want to do and hope that it gets a great response? Um, well, I think with my first project, Dimension, um, I definitely just created i collaborated with friends and and new uh producers that i've never worked with before and we just tried to do something that was poetic and cool and different now going forward i wanted to do something that was a little bit more directional and purpose-built so this was made to tick a couple of commercial boxes you know radio friendly um hit ticked the boxes of what's popular at the moment especially with the whole k-pop k-hip-hop type of vibe um but i wanted to put my stamp on it and still sound very british with an asian face and with you saying um you wanted it to sound asian i mean i don't think it sounds asian but you, you wanted it to sound like K-pop, so a Korean pop music kind of thing. Is that because you wanted to appeal to the Asian market in the UK or just because you wanted to create that genre? Well, I definitely wanted to appeal to the Asian market. Not the Asian market in the UK, because I don't really believe there's an Asian market at all um, when it comes to, you know, music in the UK. Like, mm. there's not any homegrown UK Asian artists that are really flourishing and being successful and and you know what I mean like we're not getting that recognition but I definitely wanted to appeal to more of an Asian market and I definitely feel like I was successful in creating that vibe and but still staying true to who I am as a British person yeah and and obviously you've just mentioned, you know, you don't feel there is a um, prominent um, Asian music kind of community within the UK. Um, and we spoke about this in the past a lot as well. And do you feel that you've struggled over your music career um, to really sort of excel in certain areas because of that issue? Definitely. I think, you know, I've had many pushbacks and uh, there's many things that have happened over the years that have made me feel or made me come to the conclusion that it was because of how I looked. For instance, you know, I did X Factor in 2010 and even though I didn't get further, I stayed in contact with um, Michael uh, Simon Cowell's representatives and they assured me that my look would get me further and it would work in my favor. But when I release music, bloggers, radio stations, music production companies would be really interested until they see my face, like the package that I send, like a press pack with 
with artwork and promo photos, all of a sudden their interest disappears. So that's the only conclusion that I could come to was that there was an issue with how I looked for them. And I mean, I agree with you. I don't think it's a conclusion. And I know that there's a lot going on with um, the Black Black Lives Matters protests and, um, you know, all the, and they are serious issues, but I don't really want to get into that. It's very deep and there's a lot to say about it, but I don't think it's you coming to a conclusion. I think that the, the issue is there because you obviously don't see any Asian artists. I mean, when we say Asian, I'm talking Oriental Asian. You know, yeah, you've got all the big K-pop bands and things like that, but you don't have any Chinese artists, any Mandarin artists, any um, any artists from Singapore or Thailand, or you don't have anybody in this country that is sort of prominent. You don't even have the community. There's hardly I don't I can't even think of one person apart from you. You know, but I think that that is a, a massive testament as to how record labels don't feel Asian people or Asian artists are marketable. And that's stemmed from, you know, not just the music industry, it goes throughout every industry. Mm. We aren't really marketed in a way that is popular or attractive. Um, Obviously, nowadays with K-pop and uh, Korean hip-hop becoming even bigger, they are marketed in a certain way, but it's very hyper polished. It's yeah. to fit. It's to fit people's expectations of what. Uh, what it's funny because this is my opinion, and it may not be correct, but I feel like it's to fit the expectations of what Korean people think the European market would like about them. Like, you know, there's lots of. Not not rumors. It's it's factual that a lot of these artists get surgery and they ha- get skin whitening and they all have to look a certain way to then be pushed out to the international market yeah. to be relevant. Um, be and that's not realistic. Pardon. To be accepted. Well, yeah. To be to be popular. To be liked. Like, and it's 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 crazy because it actually works. Because look how big these these groups are yes they are talented yes they have great music visuals are amazing but a lot of people are fascinated with how they look but that's not actually really how they were born (laughs) that's not how they really look yeah it's almost like um creating a sort of candy coated version isn't it it's like it's almost manga it's almost cartoon yeah definitely yeah so yeah it's strange and and you know, I know in the past it's made you feel quite down about things like that. But what is quite motivational and impressive is that you you don't let it get you down for too long. You know, you say, I I want to succeed. I love creating what I create. And you're, you know, you're you're back again with this EP. Yeah, of course, you have to keep on going, keep on pushing. And, you know, hopefully these doors that I open for myself will be doors that I can leave open for other people to pass through as well. Mm. And it would be good, wouldn't it? I mean, because I know that you've reached out to um, other Asian artists in the past in the UK and been kind of unsuccessful. I hope you don't mind me saying. 
Yeah, uh, it's, it's sad, really, because I've reached out to other Asian artists not to collaborate, just to have a cup of tea or go for a, a, a walk and have a chat about our experiences to try and create a collective, like uh, a foundation where we can all come together and be like, this is us, accept us because we're talented people. The only problem is none of these people reciprocated that feeling or that sentiment that I put out there and they never replied back. They didn't, they didn't want to communicate or try and start anything. And that sort of, it, it, it pushed me back a little bit. It set me back quite a lot because I didn't expect and it. What, why do you think that is that? Why do you think they just didn't bother? You know, did they not even say, oh, I'm really sorry. You know, it's not something I want to do. Or was it just that they, you know, they didn't reply at all. And do you think that it's because there is this stigma with um, not being accepted in into the industry as as fluid as you would like to be, they all feel the same way. Um, I think everybody is on their own journey and they have their own goals. Um, and I think with a lot of other Asian artists, they are wanting to be accepted just as I am. They're wanting to be taken mm -hmm. seriously. So they don't want to be associated with something that they don't believe is attractive enough to get them to the next step in their journey. Like if I was to go off and be stood next to uh, another artist who is of a different um, ethnicity, but it was more popular like black or white in the music industry, it, it, it would work differently for them, you know. Their, their mind is is programmed to think, yeah, that's going to work better because social media advertises it as more popular, as instantly, you know, they are more talented. And, and that's just how they are. So I think everyone's in their own bubble and trying to get somewhere that they don't look at the bigger picture and think, you know what, I'm actually being part of the problem as to why I'm not yeah, being definitely. accepted myself, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I know that like the American music industry has a lot more Asian artists within it. You know, it really does. Um, but they're kind of transatlantic because they're probably homegrown um, or they start off in America and then go back to wherever their family are from, you know, because a lot of them are born in America. Yeah. So I mean, America, because, because they're born in America and they go back and they get popular within like the masses of fans, then, there is a music industry where it includes Asian artists in America. Well, I think America also has um, Rising 88, um, and that was created by a Bay Area native who is, like, Japanese and Korean, um, and he's wanting, he's wanting to basically promote Asian cultures worldwide. However, mm. however, 88 Rising's core artists are hard-hitting rappers, Mm. which has then instantly alienated a massive, huge amount of the Asian culture and Asian, Asian um, talent pool. Because we aren't mm. rappers. We aren't all um, hard-hitting rappers, you know? Um, mm. So it, it's a shame because I feel like it, it's great to see this, but why is it only for rappers? Why are they only doing it for rappers? They're, they're creating a platform there. They've got a festival. Like they could go off and really welcome in so many other types of music and types of artists, you know?
I mean, like, you know, going back to sort of Korean pop culture, um, you know, they are still filtering, they are collaborating with people, you know. Um, I mean, I know that, um, what are they called? I can't remember what they're called now. The guys that have um, collaborated with Lady Gaga in her new album. The girls, the girls yeah. Pink, um, Black Pink. Pink, Black, Black yeah. Pink, what is it? I mean, Black Pink is Black Pink. Yeah. So, you know, they've collaborated with Lady Gaga. I know they've collaborated with other big names as well. You know, but again, it, it's, it sounds awful because I'm a big fan of Gaga and I know that she's not doing this in particular, but sometimes it feels like they're an accessory. Do you know what I mean? To popularity. Mm-hmm. Like, and then that's it then. Do you know what I mean? And I know they're doing quite well themselves, but you still don't see their particular songs in the charts all the time. That song will be in the charts because it's Lady Gaga's song. Yeah. Do you know what, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it happens all the time, but it does a lot. I mean, you know, so I definitely understand what you're saying when it comes to like the Billboard Hot 100. However, BTS the Korean band, they've done very well on the Hot 100. In the UK, not so much. Once again, the UK just don't take to Asian um, artists. Now, that doesn't mean that UK people don't like Asian artists. It means that the media outlets, the record labels, um, publishers, all these types of uh, companies and, and, and people behind the computers are not attracted to or invested in promoting Asian artists and that's why they're not getting as much radio play as any other artist and that is once again why we aren't being signed and we aren't being picked up by talent scouts or A&R and stuff and that's just the reality of it. And I mean like going back to America very briefly you know there was a big movement two years ago in the film industry where a lot of um, Asian artists were coming forward and going, hang on a minute, you know, we've been struggling for so many years. We only got recognised a year ago, and that's great. We're here now. But what took so long? You know, we have talent. We can act. We love the arts, you know. And I know Sandra Oh made a big thing about it, didn't she? You know, she stars in Killing Eve and Grey's Anatomy and various other big films, you know. But um, And she's done, you know, Asian film as well. Um, But it it was there for a period of time and then it just disappeared again. You know, and it's not talked about again. Now it's something else, you know. Well, so why do you think that is? It's just about momentum. It's the same thing that's going on right now with the Black Lives Matter. They are saying, you know, we can protest and protest and protest, but if we don't keep that conversation going, it's going to fall by the wayside and people are going to carry on with their their everyday, very ignorant mindset um, so, you know, I think there was an influx of uh, of conversations and castings and movies that came out with Asian faces. And, you know, Mulan was about to come out with Disney before the pandemic hit and all the cinemas closed. And I'm sure it will come out and it's going to be heavily Asian casted. Um, and I'm sure it'll do well. But it's all about c- continuing the conversation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about making that popular. And it is, you know, I'm looking forward to Mulan because I love Disney, as you know. But I know what you mean. Like, people are going to watch that and then I don't think they're going to search for the actors and go, oh, we'll follow that person's career. They they probably won't. You know, whereas if, I don't know, you know, some big movie star that's in quite a lot of things like 
that was in it, then you would follow that person and what are they going to be in next and so on. Mm. You know, it just seems to be that way. But so what do you, you know, do you, do you want to collaborate with other Asian artists in the future? What are you looking to do? Absolutely. Like, I, this is officially me saying if anyone is listening and they want to collaborate, they want to just talk, they want to express what they've been going through to, to reach out to me and talk to me. Like, I'm approachable. I, you can find me on social media because I'm on it every day <laughs> doing, some kind, <laughs> doing some kind of silly random story video or something. But, you know, find me on social media. Let's have a conversation and let's build on it. You know, at the end of the day, there's there's a lot to be said about music history. And if you look at, for instance, Lil' Kim, Mary J. Blige, Missy Elliott, they are all very, very talented women. And they banded together back in the day when people didn't want to hear their music and female rap and they weren't taken serious they banded together they created a collective they supported each other on all of all of each other's videos and they made a movement and because they were so popular record labels could not say no to other people like Nicki Minaj and stuff like that because the proof was in the pudding there was an audience there, there was an audience ready to invest and listen and love them and that's what I want to do with the Asian community. Yeah, it's a really powerful message. And yeah, you know, um, I hope that people do reach out to you. And I'd love to get involved because even though I'm not in the music industry, I'm a creative, you know, and I, anything I can do to sort of help and get the word out there as well, you know, I will do. Um, but anyway, let's get back to the creativity. <laughs> um, so we've, we've listened to Beat Up, a great first song for the EP, really energetic but this one is called Anya. 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 Spend it on Anya. So Anya is a seduction song. This is me telling someone that I'm going to spoil them if they choose me. Um, and that's what, that's all it's about. It's about I wanted to write a song that was like popping bottles in the club and all that. But I just it ended up being something a bit more sexy. OK, cool. And like I said, it's, it's good that it's such a different feel. I, I find that, um, you know, a lot of the time when I'm listening to EPs and albums, you know, they can be very similar you know each track is quite similar but this is really different so it kind of like beat up 
gets you started and then this pulls you in a different direction. Yes, I, th- I think it's a little bit darker as well. When I listen to it, I just, I want, I, I, <laughs> you're going to laugh. I want to be like a vampire walking through a club sometime. <laughs> okay, well, that's really nice, but anyway. <laughs> I <don't> know. <laughs> you know, like in slow motion in like a film. Basically, when I write some, when I write songs, I always write them in with with like movies or series series in mind. It's like, can I picture this being in a scene? Is it gonna speak to me if I if I see it in a if someone dancing to it in a club? That's how I sort of write things. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a really interesting way of actually creating. I think that there isn't, you know, there are a lot of other people that do that too. I suppose, and and I think you take. I mean, what what those moments are is influences, aren't they? You know, you yeah of, yeah you're influenced by maybe something you've seen, something you've felt. You know, and yeah, you know, like if you watch a movie and there's a specific scene and it's got the right track to it, it has a certain impact on you, doesn't it? Mm, definitely. Um, and I think nowadays more than ever, being visual is 100% crucial and necessary. So if you think of visuals and, and are inspired by visuals to create the sound, then hopefully when it gets to creating the visuals, it speaks to audiences and makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And it's all part of the creative process. And talking about the creative process, obviously, while lockdown's been on, we've been producing this podcast and what you've been doing, if if you've, you know, if our listeners have been listening to the other shows as well, which I hope you have, um, <laughs> you've been creating um, a section of the podcast called Alex Sings, where um, basically somebody suggests off the cuff a um topic for you to write and sing about and you've been doing that so you know have you been enjoying doing that yeah definitely like it's just kept my creative juices going it's allowed me to showcase um the diversity of my songwriting as well Um, that's something that i'm really keen to push um in the next year i really want to push the the diversity of my songwriting um so thank you to all of the people who have up to now put in suggestions and I'm looking forward to doing some more, actually, if we're going to continue with this. Definitely. I think that we are going to continue with it because the podcast has been really successful, which is great. Um, I think we're going to push it out to sort of more channels and more mm-hmm. people. And I think, you know, with, with the sort of diversity of the topics, especially now that we're doing this show all about you and your music, it gives me a chance to push it out to different people, different groups, different channels, you know, that are interested specifically in music. And, you know, because we're talking about your creativity and you producing these jingles, it'd be great to actually see what this brings when people maybe listen back to the other episodes to see what you did produce, you know. And and I think, um, like you said, you want to write more, you know, but not just for yourself. You want to write for other people, too, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think collaboration is is the way forward. And I want to, you know, learn more and better myself. I also want to go off and show people what I can do and what I've learned over the years and give them my writing styles because I think sometimes when I write music it's not always necessarily for me I can tell it's for like a girl group or I can tell it's for a a ballad type of pop singer you know like I want to show that I can do this and give my styles to other people definitely and your words as well you know Mm because I think that when when you listen to a hit song, you know, you, Beyonce's had so many and, you know, 
not Gaga because she writes a lot of her own stuff. Yeah. But you've got Beyonce, you've got other big artists, Mariah Carey, etc. Um, and they've had some powerful songs that have reached number one across the globe. Um, and they're written by other people. They're written by other people, and those people are writing about their feelings or their experiences, you know, and I think that it's important to get that message out there that, you know, the uh, creative process isn't always about one person, is it? You know, so... I think it's very rarely about one person. Um, you know, like, yeah. it's it's important to know that Mariah Carey really has written around about 18 or 19 of her number one hits. She has had her hand has been on that pen and paper. Do you know what I mean? Like she's done it, but the, behind that with the production and with everything else, it's a, it's a big team of people. So um, yeah, I, I'd love to be a part of someone else's journey just as much as my own. Definitely. And, and again, you know, with you releasing these projects and it will show your, you know, diversity and this, you know, uh, EP, San. Um, I think it's quite diverse because, again, every song is different, mm. you know. And on that note, we're going to go into the next song, and this one's called Red Into It. Red into it before you knew it. Caught your ass and now you blew it. Bang it, dang it, dang it. Got the pics and videos. I'm sleeping with a monster. You don't know, I know. Passionate when you're with them, with me, we just caress. Say there's more meaning, but really couldn't care less. Meeting all your friends, making me feel like the one. Uh-huh. Promises are trips together, sets up in the sun. Yeah, right. Pillar to the left, pillar to the right. One is back with love, but the theory is pure shite. Always something hidden, well, I read upon them too. Positively positive, you're pretty screwed. Red as an open wound, guilty as they come. I pack your bags before I go and get mine. I wanna count you down, count you down, my feet's on one. Count you down, count you down, my feet's on one. I'm gonna count you down, count you down, my feet's on one. Count you down, count you down, my feet's on one. So, as I said before, that was read into it. Again, completely different feel to it. I feel like this has a lot of meaning to it, though. Tell me more about this song. Yeah, so this song was actually probably the most personal song and it's it's nice that just before you played the snippet you spoke about you know other songwriters jumping onto other people's songs to give them their experience because with this song this was literally an experience this was a past relationship um for me and it was a little bit traumatic and i took lemons and i made lemonade and i turned it into a song and to this day when i listen to it I don't think about all the negative parts of the relationship because I see what I actually managed to create out of it. And I'm proud of that, you know? Yeah. And I think that sometimes it's, um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think sometimes that's a form of therapy as well to get you through a certain time in your life. You know, if you're, you are a creative and you can make a positive out of a negative like you have by creating this song based on your, you know, your, negative experiences i hope you don't mind me saying so you know mm. um it's 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 giving you therapy it's giving you closure am i right yeah for sure for sure and the great thing is is that i've had so many people listen to this in the past when it was initially released and they connect with it because they've experienced similar things or the the way i've wrote it it's not literally telling you that i've woke up at 5 a.m and i've done it's it's you know, it's open for interpretation so it can be taken and applied to other people's experiences. Yeah, definitely. And I think that 
I'm going to be completely transparent and honest with you. I think when I first listened to it, I found it quite aggressive. But then when I really thought about the background story to this, and obviously not everybody will know, but like you said, they'll probably relate to it. I think I think a lot of people can relate to it. I certainly can, you know. And I think when I listen to the lyrics properly and knowing your backstory, but also um, relating to it myself from past experiences I've had in relationships and with, you know, individuals, um, I saw it differently. It wasn't aggressive. It was about... Um, anger and Mm -hmm. making somebody understand how angry you are with them for what they've done to you well yeah for me when I wrote this I was like read into it means I I knew this I should I should have trusted my gut when I knew that this was dodgy and what you were saying here was was fake and it was it was anger because I was like yeah I knew this like why did I continue you know um and that's why I say I'm going to count you down, count you down for three to one, because that was sort of my inner, in, inside I was like, this is the last time it's going to happen. But then I let it happen again and then I let it happen again. So that's why the way I've wrote it is sort of like a nursery rhyme. You'll find that it's very repetitive, but I wanted it to be like that. I wanted it to be sort of taunting like I was, like I was bullying the person that I fancied on the playground. Um but it was actually related to someone that I was with and that we had an argument and many different scenarios with, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think what I take from it is, is that you, uh, not, not necessarily bullying somebody on the playground, but it was, if you look back on that particular experience, it was quite childish. Yeah. So what was going on, the way this person was treating you is quite... Um, and sort of a childish manner, you know, and I think that's why you kind of took that influence from the childish element and, and made it into this kind of song that has this kind of feel to it. So, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, talking about influences, you know, experience can definitely influence your writing, but also, uh-huh. you know, other artists can, you know, influence you as well. So who would you say are some of your biggest influences? I mean... You can never go forward without mentioning the greats like Prince and Michael, Stevie, Janet, Bjork, Madonna, Diana Ross. Like they are just like the foundation, you know, mm-hmm. um, people that I grew up with. You know, like I said, I've had a great catalogue of artists through mum and dad and yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, like new inspirations, mm-hmm. I have to give my hats off to people like Lady Gaga because she shows um what it what it is to be an amazing package and she utilizes her package for good um plus she's hella talented so that's that's another thing she's visual she's she sounds great her words mean something and then on top of that she uses her stardom for the greater good rather than selfish reasons you know um I also love Alicia Keys. I've been a massive fan of Alicia Keys for many years because I just love her pure energy. I love the way she writes music. Um, and this song, the, the Red Into It song, was actually, the, the music was inspired by um, Rihanna. Uh, it was inspired by her song Man Down. Um, so when I went into the studios, I was inspired by the 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 rhythms and the way she moves and the it's the the rawness that she gives to her her vocals 
it's very aggressive. It's very like, yeah, I'm here. Uh, one thing that I love about Rihanna is she can, one, one, she's got an amazing, unique tone, but when she's recording a song, you can feel what she's saying, but it's not in a, oh, I'm going to write a ballad and give you all of me. It's just, yeah, I'm telling you about yourself or yes, I'm feeling myself. You know what I mean? I love that confidence that she exuberates in all of her songs. That's it. And, you know, you mentioned obviously Rihanna and, and Gaga. And for me, I think Gaga's a big influence too, because she, um, I mean, if, if anyone's followed her as we have, you know, she was on the music scene for an awful long time before she actually made it, you mm-hmm. know, in front of everybody else. And I think what, kind of making it in the mainstream did for her is it um, allowed her to exude confidence and actually be who she's always wanted to be you know she's so expressive with the way she dresses and I mean remember the meat dress um, mm-hmm. remember coming in on like what was it a, gla- a, a glass throne or, or, or she a... came in on a horse she came in in yeah. an egg <laughs> and you know what and be, oh yeah the egg and, and I think some people will go that girl is crazy but she's not. She's expressing who she is, you know. And I think if anyone's ever watched an interview with her, it's so interesting because she's, she's such a humble character. She just sees herself as herself. I mean, there's no doubt there's been some crazy moments, but she never, ever denies that, you know. And she mm-hmm. she talks about her mental health issues and, and actually where the issue came from. And a lot of it is being handed by the media and um you know being famous in general because it's quite hard you know yeah but yeah what what her influences do with her is give her this confidence i mean another one who has really blossomed another artist that's really blossomed through being in the mainstream um and who you've seen transition and change is sam smith because when sam, sam smith first um you know appeared on our radio stations and you know on tv his music has always been consistent. He's got a great voice, but he was very shy in on himself, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, he wasn't showing his true colours. And now he's a completely different person, completely different person. Do you agree? I agree. Yeah. I mean, he's showing that he is more comfortable with within himself and who he chooses to be and identify as. Um yeah, like definitely. I do personally. I do feel like his music style doesn't appeal to me as much as it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just my personal taste. But it's amazing to see someone um, of his caliber be so open and honest with all of his fans and the world. Do you know what I mean? To to advertise who he is and not be afraid. So that's 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 a great thing. Yeah, and again, I think it's because these individuals also you know gain influence by the moment that they're in you know Mm -hmm. you do your transition and change because of your experiences don't you yeah but I mean when someone says to me though like who's your influences my influences will change monthly like uh, weekly like but like for instance right now I'm heavily influenced by The weekend's new album because it is amazing go and check it out if you haven't checked it out it's so good and then yeah. Chloe, Chloe X Harley has just released a new album which is so artistic and it's cool but it's commercial but then again I'm still jamming to The Miseducation of Lauren Hill and Usher's 8701 album so it's like 
it depends on how I feel that week of what I'm influenced by and who's going to influence me. And if I'm going to write that week, what album am I listening to that week? This week, I have been really heavily listening to um, John Legend. And I've also been listening to Avril Lavigne, like her old albums. Mm. You used to it's love just, Avril Lavigne when you were younger. The albums still speak to me this day. Like, they're so good. Like, the first two albums, like, were so good for me. Um, and it just, it just, it, it gives me that whole, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? When, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when you're, <laughs> I can't think of the word. But, you know, it makes me feel like I'm back in my childhood again, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And thinking about that experience. Yeah. So, yeah, with influences, that, that I do have influences, but I am just influenced by music. I love art. I love creativity. And it, it, it changes weekly. And because of the change, it allows you to be so diverse with your music. And talking about that, we're going to listen to a teaser of the last song, on the EP now, um, which is again completely different to the other songs, and this one is called EGBD. That every good boy deserves sex, money, sex, love, sex, money, sex, money, love, sex, money, sex, money, love, sex, money, sex, money. say that over and over to myself in my mind because it's quite hard to say EGBD what does EGBD stand for Alex so EGBD stands for every good boy deserves and if anyone's ever learned to play viola or violin um it's the strings so it helps you remember what the strings are EGBD and that's where I got that from because I've learned to play violin when I was well I learned to play violin when I was younger um, and that's where the title came from. Every good boy deserves. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know that you remembered the strings off off that phrase. Well, I mean, there's different ways of learning. There's different phrases, uh, but my teacher gave me that one, and it always stuck with me. Oh, interesting. I used to play the violin too mm. for about a week, thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, about a week. Yeah, because I don't. I don't really stick to much. Um, but. Um, and I, yeah, I never got taught that. Yeah, that's why I don't remember. What, that's why I didn't remember what the uh, what the strings were. So, what is it all about? This song, uh, "Every Good Boy Deserves," is literally about being good. The lyrics say, "Every good boy deserves love, sex, money." 
but you have to work hard and you have to be good and you have to, you know, to have it for, for a long, sustainable time, you have to make sure you get it the correct way, you know. Um, the, the second verse also talks about, you know, all these bad guys who are getting it instantly and hurting people along the way, then they're not going to be happy in the future because they're going to end up lonely. They're not going to end up with all of these riches like, you know, a family and love and and sex and money and all this stuff if they, are, if they aren't good people. That's what the song's about. So basically you get what you want if you're humble and you work hard at it. Basically, yeah. So we've gone from read into it, which is basically to me saying, you're a bad person. And then me saying, you know, if you were a good person, you would have got all of this. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, oh, dear, indeed. Oh, dear. That made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so we've listened to the four tracks on the EP now. And uh, for everybody out there, the EP is called San. You know, tell me, why did you call it San? So San is actually... um three like the number three in Chinese and it's a, considered to be a very very lucky number and when you research it you know it's it's linked to people with strong personalities who possess like mystical abilities and powerful creativity um, and it also it's about beauty in life and showing that creating a, a very easygoing and content type of atmosphere so it's sort of linked to my project I wanted it to be mystical but also powerful and creative I wanted it to be beautiful but easygoing and contented so that's really why I called it San. Amazing and San is coming out on the 3rd of July isn't it? Yes it is. Because it's because it's the 3rd of July and, and it means three. Exactly very very it's all yeah. well thought out this you know. <laughs> yeah I'm glad to hear it. So <laughs> When the EP is dropped on the 3rd of July, where can people find it? And where, more importantly, can they find you and keep up to date with what you're releasing and what you've got to say about the EP? Oh, well, I would love it if people could um, keep up with me on social media. If you type in official Alex Co, and that's Kilo Oscar, not CEO, like that's how you can find me on every social media platform. And when this drops, it will be dropping on all of the um, music platforms, you know, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, Deezer. So or anything you can think of, you have Pandora in America, um, anything you can think of, it will be on there. And you basically search Alex Co. And my profile mm -hmm. should come up. And obviously you'll be able to go and watch uh, some of the videos on YouTube as well. Exactly. So once again, that's official Alex Co. on YouTube and you'll be able to find everything on there. And we'll be obviously promoting it when, um, you know, we release other podcasts as well. Um, we'll be promoting it on social media, um, my social media too, on the website as well, where we produce the podcast. Um, so, yeah, guys, please go and give it a listen. It'd be really, really interesting to um, hear about your feedback on the EP. Yes, please, please, please listen. Stream, share if you like it. Please comment. It's, it's important that I, I get to hear your opinions on my music as well. I really like to hear it because then I can create something that you like for the future, you know, and grow as an artist. 
fantastic so that's all we've got time for today guys thank you alex for coming on the show it's been a great show it's been great to talk to you you know and really sort of hash out um you know all the issues surrounding your creativity and talk about you know um the passion you have for your music and what have you so i've really enjoyed today's show oh thank you very much for having me i've, I've appreciated you giving me the time to actually talk about it you know and let other people hear it so thank you for that brilliant so until next time guys that's it from us um i hope you've enjoyed today's show and all that's really left to say is stay safe everybody out there and it's goodbye from me and goodbye from me (laughs) take care